As we know, um, the disease of leprosy is, is terrible indeed. And uh, it's uh, beginning with sores and it just begins to slowly eat away physically at the person. They begin to lose fingers and, you know, nose, ears, and the body just begins to, in, in a sense, kind of decompose. Um, and from the earliest times, as we heard in the first reading, what do you do when you have that kind of disease? And of course, it's communicable, is that the person has to separate themselves, you know, from the, from the rest of the population. So consider then this man in the gospel, what possibly his life looked like, right? Because there was a time when he did not have leprosy, and it's very possible that he had a wife. It's very possible that he had children, that he had some kind of, you know, vocation, right? He, he had some kind of trade. He did something. And of course, he had friends and family and all the rest, and then one day, you know, a sore appears and he has to go to the priests. Thank God we don't do that anymore. <laughs> you know, and they check him out and yeah, you've got to separate yourself. So this man, his entire life is just ruined. I mean, he can never again, if he's married, hold his wife. And even if it wasn't this man, there are plenty of other, other situations this would have been the case. Never again can he hold his wife or his children. Never again can he touch them, shake the hand of his friend. He cannot even live in society, right? He has to be outcast and, and, and not because of necessarily just a punishment, but because he himself does not want to contaminate anyone else. And of course, it wouldn't be good for the community either. So now he has to live outside the town and basically, you know, count on the generosity of, of people to, to keep him alive. And any time people would kind of come close to him, he'd have to yell out, unclean, unclean, or ring a bell, or in some way, it was his responsibility to notify them that he was dangerous to them. Even more than that, or in addition to it, depending on your perspective, the presumption was that because he was afflicted in this way, God was punishing him and God was rightly punishing him. So back then people believed if you, you know, came down with some sort of disease or illness, you deserved it. Any kind of misfortune, it was presumed. Now this began to change, but there was still this presumption that you deserved what you were getting because God was rightly punishing you for your sins. So this man would have had to carry that burden as well. Whatever I did, it was, it was bad enough that God has now given me this, this torment, this terrible disease and separating me from the people I love. And everybody else would think the same thing about him. Not only were you physically unclean, but spiritually as well. You deserved what you were getting. So put all that together and then go back to this gospel. The man, having heard about Jesus, you know, is just hoping maybe Jesus can do something. And so he begs him. Can you just imagine 
how low this man was, anybody in that state, just looking for any kind of relief, not just physically, but the whole thing that comes with it. And Jesus doesn't just say, I heal you, but he declares him clean. In a a way, I mean, certainly he purifies him physically, but he purifies him spiritually. He purifies him in regard to his relationships, right? Now he's going to go back, be declared clean, and imagine being able to go back to your family, your wife, your children, being able to hold them again, being back into, into relationship, no longer being alienated and isolated. And also, what does that do to a, to a person's understanding of God that it's not just a God who punishes, but actually it's a God who desires for me to be healed and to be made clean, does not desire to punish me or to keep me in that state. And this is, you know, one of the areas that, that I think, uh, certainly throughout history and even today, uh, many people get wrong about God. I mean, if you read about how Jesus is, actually is, in the scriptures, and then how people often convey him, it's a totally different God. It's a totally different relationship that Jesus has with his people. He goes after the lepers, right? He, he comes toward them. He, he goes toward those who are sinners. He wants to spend time with the outcasts. That's what he does. That's what he was criticized for, primarily and principally. It has not been an infrequent experience that I've been out there in the wild like you. <laughs> You know, and then somebody finds out I'm a priest and the litany begins. Well, I grew up Catholic. Well, I'm Catholic. Well, I mean, I'm not Catholic anymore. Well, I mean, I am Catholic, but I'm not, you know, and it's not that I don't pray. I mean, I do pray, but I mean, not all the time do I pray. I don't really go to church, but, you know, I mean, I can't go to church. The whole thing will cave in if I go into a church. I mean, how could that happen? It's like they all go to the same place to get the same litany of things to tell a priest when they meet him. And I'm like, dude, I just want a Big Mac, you know? (laughs) Can I go? I just, I'm hungry Um, or whatever. But it's not just people in that situation. I think there's, you know, it's one thing to intellectually, you know, know that, of course, God loves me and God loves everybody and he's a loving God and da-da-da-da, right? We can know that intellectually and that's good. But if we are limited in merely knowing that it's not residing here in our hearts, which is actually more important. It's, of course, good to know, but if we're not actually living as though we have a God who truly loves us and is coming for us and toward us and not abandoning us and making us clean and making us worthy, until we really know that, I mean, know that here, believe it, integrate it, and live as though we have been redeemed. We're missing out on all that the Lord wants us to not just know, but feel. You know, in one sense, none of us are clean. In one sense, we're all metaphorically lepers, right? Because we're all in need of healing. We're all in need of forgiveness. But in another sense, we, we sometimes take that too far and we think, well, I could never be good enough. 
That's not the gospel. It is true we needed saving. It is true that our sins were insurmountable for ourselves. However, because of what Christ has done, we have been freed. We have been forgiven. We have been redeemed. And, you know, those of you who are here, who you think I'm not good enough or you're good enough, not because of anything we do, really, but because what God does in us. C.S. Lewis, this is a paraphrase, mere Christianity. He's talking about, he's talking to people saying, you know, giving your life over to Christ. You thought, you know, it was just going to be a little thing, you know, some small fixing here and there. You thought that God was going to sort of remodel you and make you into a little cottage and a nice little home, and that would be it. However, you give your life over to God, and all of a sudden, walls are being broken down. You know, uh, you know, a deck is being built, and, you know, all of a sudden you realize that God is actually rebuilding you and remaking you into something much larger than a mere little cottage. But actually, he's making you into a mansion because he desires to live there himself. God desires to make his home with us. Jesus desires to reside in us, his grace, his life within us. That's the Catholic thing. Grace, baptism, Eucharist. It's the whole sacramental system is that God desires to make his home with us, right? Emmanuel, God with us. And if we let him, he will do something in you that will be truly great. Never sell him short and never sell yourself short. Allow the Lord to do what he will and be amazed at the outcome. Please stand.